Hello and welcome to the Mind Talk podcast with myself, Edwin. And today we have a special guest and he comes from the world of athletics. He is a coach. He's coached some of the, the top athletes that you may know in the United Kingdom. And it's Marco Arelli. How are you doing, Marco? Nice, uh, nice to be here, Edwin. And thanks for the invitation. We now in uh, in Birmingham for the Birmingham Grand Prix, so I'm oh great uh, in, in UK. So yeah, nice nice to to be in this podcast. Yeah, nice to have you on. Nice to have you on. It must be you must be busy at the moment with preparing for um, obviously the remainder of the indoor season, and then you've got the outdoor season to come. Yeah, we we still have this meeting in two days, and then next week uh, Europeans. Okay. Then I'm gonna give the group uh, a week okay. off and. Uh, we back on track uh, the second uh, week of uh, March to start uh, for the outdoor season. Okay, so. okay, okay. Well, cool. We're gonna we'll talk a little bit more about that. But before we get to that point, I'm gonna ask you questions starting about your early journey in athletics and sports. So, when when did you first like start playing sport and get into athletics? So basically, my <laughs> my my story is very. Very boring on a on a on a point where uh, I just choose athletics as a first sport. So I really started uh, athletics when I was uh, when I was eight when I was eight years old. Okay. Um, and of course uh, I'm from Italy, so in Italy um, you really tend to to go to play football. So uh, this yeah. was uh, the the aim, for example, of my father that uh, he was uh, he was asking me when I when I was at the time to choose for sport. He was asking me, Marco, what do you want to do? You want to do uh, football, right? And I would say, no, I want to do track and field. And he was, are you sure? Like uh, you might want to say football. I say, no, no, I want to do track <laughs> and field. So I literally start uh, track and field in uh, 1998 when I was eight. Uh, because okay. uh, I remember seeing at uh, television um the olympics in uh, 1996 okay. and uh, watching olympics in uh, in 1996 uh, i remember watching the pole vault and telling my mom look i yeah. i really want to do that sport and uh, my mom is very yeah. strict so she went straight to the uh, doctor the pediatrics uh, we had at this time and she said at what age is is right to start uh, track and field and uh, let's say around eight years old is good so when i was eight finally i was able to start track and field and and since then i i basically never stopped so i did track and field uh, okay. till, uh, till high school uh, during the high school, I was doing basically okay. all the events. I was doing uh, mainly decathlon, uh, always as an amateur athlete. Yeah. And uh, and then I was okay. really lucky because uh, every stage of my life as a, as a student, of course, I was lucky enough to always change coach for um, for different reasons. So I was having, a, yeah. of course, a, a kids coach when I was in primary school. Then I got to have uh, okay. uh, during mid school in Italy we have mid school during mid school I I changed my coach. Um, then I went to high school my coach couldn't follow me so um, I I I I changed again I had this high school coach he was uh, he was actually really good. Then end of the high school I need to move from my hometown to to go to to uni. 
and uh, um, as soon as I as soon as I got to uni, I stopped to doing decathlon. I moved to do only jumps. So I started to do long jump and triple jump. Okay. And uh, and again, I had another another coach. Uh, last year of university, I I won a scholarship to go to go abroad. So I ended up being in uh, in Spain okay. in uh, in Tenerife. Yeah. And uh, in Tenerife, I met my last uh, coach and my first mentor as a coach myself. Uh, and so I, I basically finished uh, the university when I was 22. And finishing the university, I was following his, his programs uh, while I was still training myself and, and also coaching a, a small group of guys that was training with me. So this was the beginning of the journey as as a coach. So in 20, 2012, I start uh, I start to coach while I was training with uh, with my athletes, sprint, uh, hurdles, a bit of uh, combined events, uh, jumps, and um, after uh, three years, basically, we had the first uh, good results. So I I was able to then go to uh, to basically uh, um, a European championship with one of my athletes. And uh, she was actually 21. I was uh, 25, 26. And we were already at a European under 23 championship. So I was really, let's say, lucky at that point, like um, as, a, as a coach. Um, and after that, uh, I I decided to... Uh, to to go a bit deeper on my on my um, on my academic background i'm a, i'm a physio and after physiotherapy i start to do um, osteopathy um and uh, in in the path of of doing the osteopathy i uh, i then uh, i then tell myself i really want to do something more as a coach and maybe trying to become professional and uh, I opened a, a private academy in in Italy. So basically, I was uh, I was coaching uh, the best athletes of jumps in in the area, jumps, uh, sprint, and uh, and and hurdles. And, and uh, with this academy, we we had very good success. We had the first uh, international medal. So one of the guy I was coaching won the the silver medal at uh, youth uh, European Championship. And uh, and then after that uh, uh, arrived the the call to go international. So I left uh, I left Italy, and this is a part of uh, the, the next part of the story when I start to to go professional. So this is where he he started. So is is a long story uh, that started in Italy and ended yeah. up basically in uh, twenty nineteen when I got this uh, this call to go to China and start my professional uh, life as a as a coach. It's so much to unpack and it's, a, it's a, such an interesting journey. During when you were training, um, was there any time at that point when you thought you were going to become a coach? <laughs> this, is, this is the funny part. So, uh, of course, as all the, the athletes, when I was young, my dream was to go to Olympics. And uh, I was training hard. I was training six days a week. Uh, I was praying uh, before going to bed that I could achieve uh, the, the Olympics one day. And um, when I was when I was uh, really young, I was nineteen. I was at a competition, so I was uh, I was still at uh, at high school. 
my coach wasn't able to come to the competition and uh, I asked to um, national jumps coach to take a look at my run-up. So he's watching my competition. Uh, I, I do the first three run-up. Then I ask him to, to just check me in the first jump. I do the first jump, finishing the first jump uh, as usual for a, for a jumper. I, I cross the, uh, the track. I go to him and I ask, so what I need to improve? And uh, I, was, uh, I was shocked at the moment because you reply, Marco, honestly, there is nothing to correct, but you will be a good coach one day. So I, I stand up at him and say, what do you mean? Like, uh, and he said, yeah, your technique looks great, but you're just not talented enough to, to be a professional athlete, but you will be a good coach. And at, the, at, at that point, that put me the fire in. So I was 19. I say, I'm going to prove this guy that he's wrong. Yeah. And so I train even harder. Yeah. Uh, I had the scholarship. When I went to, to Spain, uh, I discovered a new world because I was used only to the Italian mindset of, uh, of, uh, of training. And I discovered the Spanish one. So yeah. completely different. Uh, my, my coach at the moment, Hector, he was really technical. He talked to me about periodization and everything. And so I said, oh, wow. So this is how I should coach myself. And then going back to Italy and uh, basically following his program and start uh, to coach uh, the yeah. athletes uh, myself in my group, I actually ended up to, okay. to do my PBs. So my PBs in uh, long jump and uh -huh. triple jump, I actually did it when I was training myself alone with his program. Okay. And, uh, and I think that this really helped because, uh, because then it was way easier to start uh, to, start to coach. And, uh, but since then I, and now I need to thank that guy because he was right. Maybe it was not the right yeah. uh, way to say it, but he was right. He was right. But it's, it's, you, in the end you got there, but I can imagine as an athlete it being very discouraging to hear that. I don't think, I think you'll be a good coach, but I don't think you're talented enough because every athlete, that's what they want. They want to do Olympics and all of that. Where do you think, how do you think you're able to switch your mindset? Um, along that journey when you were doing your PBs to come to the point where you realise, no, actually, what he said was right. I need to focus more on coaching. Coaching is the gift I have. So to me, to me, something, uh, something uh, happened because uh, after that moment, I really started to work harder and harder to like try to prove that he was wrong. And I was training a lot. Uh, I was also studying in the same time. Uh, so I was really pushing myself. Uh, knowing the other coach really helped me. And so as soon as I, know, I knew that coach, I said, oh, this is why I was not achieving the results. Now I'm going to prove that I can go to Olympics. So I started to train myself with this program and everything was going well. IPB. And I was also coaching in the same time. And something already came to me because uh, um, while I was coaching, the first athlete I coached in six months, he beat my PB on, in the 100. And he actually won the, the bronze medal at the Italian Championship. So I said, mm, maybe, like, this guy, I'm only coaching him since six months, and he already beat everything I did in track and field. Only, only in six months that I'm coaching him. So something already starts to click. And then, unfortunately, 
was uh, 20, 2015 when uh, 2015 2016 when I had that uh, very good season with uh, an heptathlete I was coaching so uh, me as 25 26 years old I was going to the European under 23 championship as a coach I was super super yeah. happy and that was the same moment when I unfortunately broke my ankle and so that kept me okay. out of of training but the first thing I said in the moment I broke my ankle, because I was already a physio. So I remember I was showing an exercise while I was doing it. So I was doing lateral bounce. I do a lateral bounce. My ankle just uh, couldn't handle it. I broke my ankle. I recollocate the ankle myself. And as soon as I, I saw it, I told the guys, look, guys, I think now I'm going to have way more time to be a, a good coach. And that was uh, the game, the game change. So after, uh, after the injury, I still uh, train myself for a season while I was actually doing, uh, this is a funny story, while, while I was actually doing only CrossFit twice a week. Okay. And then I said, let me put the spikes on and do a competition. I did the competition, I almost PB in triple jump. And then there I clocked. I said, okay. you are, you train so hard for years. And now with only two trainings a week, you're doing basically the same. So first, the training you are doing probably was wrong. The athletes you are coaching are doing way better than you. And uh, you basically always jump in the same. So probably it's time to, to become a coach. And this was uh, what then had in my mind the clock that I need to do something better. So 20, 2017, when I opened the academy, I opened the academy because uh, I traveled to France. I saw a coach with an academy himself. Uh, he inspired me. He told me, look, I'm going to have you come into my, my academy, but then uh, you should open one yourself. So I say, okay. Went back to Italy, opened my academy, had very good results. And... Uh, and then the career as a coach just start to build. The only things that I missed, especially being in Italy, was the possibility to, to achieve the, the professional world. And this is where, mm. again, I was really lucky. I, was, uh, I, I keep saying this story over and over because it's, uh, it's incredible. I was listening to a podcast on, on a beach in Thailand. And uh, I heard this podcast of Randy Huntington where he was saying that... Uh, uh, he really believed in in the work of uh, um, of physio and osteopath that already knows track and field. And when I uh, and he's saying that in China it was lacking of people that can do physio, osteo, and especially um, knowing track and field. And listening to that podcast, I really said he's talking about me. I, he needs me, and. Uh, and then I start to search him on all the social media. I couldn't find him because uh, his uh, his name on the on the social media is not uh, easy to find, uh, and uh, because he's uh, a nickname with a uh, ninety five world record because he was the coach of Mike Powell, and uh, and then I found him on LinkedIn and Randy accepted my request and he asked me if I was interested to join him on uh, in China. At the beginning, as a, as a performance therapist, so actually my background as a physio helped me to go to China. 
And then uh, after a few months, I was then able to help him also on track side as an assistant coach. So this was uh, okay. was really challenging because I left everything. I left everything I had in Italy. Uh, I left uh, my my girlfriend. I left uh, my family, uh, and I just uh, and I just went. Uh, I left my academy, the athletes I was coaching, and uh, I just uh, commit to something different to go to the next level, to professional level. And uh, after a year there, I was then uh, lucky to be uh, to be chosen as assistant coach in this group in the United States. So I left for United States. I spent there two years uh, as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. After Olympics, I I left. I went back to Italy, and now is a year and a half that I'm having my group in Italy. And this is the this is the the moment like uh, of um, of me being here. So the story now is uh, concluded by, but uh, that was <laughs> a long journey to reply your question. I know sometimes I'm, I'm going uh, off topic, but no, that was the no, but it's, it's it's needed. The backstory, the backstory to how you to you've got to where you've got to, which is quite remarkable, um, considering how you've got there. So in in terms of the athletes that you coach. Where do you think they got the? Where do you think people got the belief in you as a coach? Oh, this is an interesting question. Um, I think uh, um, it's important that the athletes are gonna uh, trust you, and uh, you yeah. really need uh, to to give her the possibility to trust you. So, uh, yeah. in professional, uh, but also with with amateur athletes, uh, you need to first yeah. give them the the possibility to see that they can improve. And uh, and unfortunately, sometimes uh, athletes uh, don't get it that uh, the improvement, especially in a in a long term in a long term plan, is not immediate. So they really need to commit and, yeah. and trust yourself as a coach and trust that you can make them run and achieve their dream, run, jump and, and achieve their dream. And so first, of course, they need, they need to trust that what you're doing is going to help them on track. But uh, yeah. I think this is something that a lot of uh, people can do as coaches, especially if you find talented athletes. So I always say, if you have talented athletes, they can really achieve uh, very good results. But this is not uh, making uh, making you to be a coach because uh, uh, it's easy maybe if you find the right athletes to achieve certain results, but then to go to the next level is uh, is really hard and you as a coach i think you also need to build the trust with them on a personal perspective so you need to have a mutual uh, um how you say like um uh, i'm lost i'm losing the word in english um like uh, you need to be- to basically consider yourself uh, um both of you at the same level the respect you need to give mm-hmm. them the respect that they yeah. need and put yourself not above them but at the same level so uh, i'm always saying 
and this is coming from uh, my ex girlfriend that uh, she told me something before before <laughs> i i was i was living for china and uh, she kept in 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 her life uh, achieving also very high results in other field and uh, this is something that she told me that really Uh, affect me and I still uh, keeping it with me because it's really important in a relationship the most important part is when you understand that without the other one you still gonna be fine but together you actually doing better and this is something that I tell my athletes uh, since the beginning so I always tell them look guys we're gonna build a relationship Okay, and uh, me, I'm fine to be alone. And you guys are so talented that you find to be alone or with or not with me or with another coach because you're so talented that no matter what, you're going to achieve what you want. But we both believe that together we can actually do better. And so this is why we're here. So this is what uh, really um, helps me uh, a lot. Is, is sometimes is hard because especially uh, it's hard to tell the athletes that uh, is a um, is a mutual understanding and uh, uh, like you are literally at the same level. So you as an athlete arrive to me for a reason, and me I'm upsetting you as an athlete for a reason. And if together we believe that we can do better, me as a coach and you as an athlete, I think we're gonna go higher and higher. If at one point you don't trust me or if at one point I don't trust you because uh, I think it's not worth to to move forward uh, in uh, in the relationship as coach and athlete. Same as in all the relationship, boyfriend yeah. and girlfriend, uh, friendship. It's so, it's communication is I guess is the key in there like being able to communicate that when if you do come to that point of where you think maybe there's best that there somewhere else or vice versa it's probably good to be able to communicate that because if that communication don't happen I guess that can probably delay the process in terms of them developing as an athlete um, and can also maybe sometimes cause resentment towards a coach or an athlete I guess in that situation absolutely absolutely it's easy to to write the program it's easy to do the planification if you if you study if you if you know track and field if you if you commit to to improve your ability in uh, in coaching on track uh, that's the easy part but understanding who you're working with understanding how they can improve understanding what they need is not is not easy what what do you think is the biggest challenge um because obviously with athletes they're all going to be different they're all going to have their different needs and probably in terms of training them you probably have to train each person differently what what do you do in those situations this is an interesting <laughs> interesting question <laughs> um i think uh, what i learn especially going to uh, the professional environment so china and then us uh, working with this uh, pro group uh at the end, as I was saying before, the, the issue is not the program. No, it's uh, what you communicate with the athletes. And uh, I think you need to be very specific and individual in uh, 
the the way you approach the the athlete uh the way you you share idea on uh, what they need to improve the way you communicate it to them uh, i'm studying now uh, this is the second year of this master of science in uh, sports coaching in uh, actually uk at the st mary university and um was really important to see how uh, you have a spectrum of different f- feedback, for example, that you can give to athletes. You know? And to me, that opened uh, a world like I didn't know. And sometimes uh, uh, watching myself uh, coaching or thinking about myself coaching, especially in the past, uh, I was uh, I was always using one way of teaching and one way of communicate. And then was working for someone for someone who was not working and me as a coach I was probably thinking that it was not working because of the athlete but uh, now you can understand that it's not working because of you as a coach most of the times no so you really need to find the right way to uh, communicate what you want from the athletes and uh, and sometimes it's not even easier easy because uh, sometimes uh, the athlete is not uh, is not understanding what you want the way you are saying stuff uh, at at an individual is working very well and so you think maybe also with the other one is going to work well and then is not working at all so is not is not surely is not an easy part communication as you said is um, the tough one it's that's interesting what you said there because that was kind of linked to my next question so in terms of the psychology of the of the athlete is there any like is there times when you might be coaching the athlete and they have all the ability in the world but you can see that what's blocking them is is their mindset unfortunately yes unfortunately yes and we're dealing also with it in uh, in the the group we have it now so you have athletes that uh, are super talented athletes that in training they are eating all the pace you give them athletes that are actually even run Mm. faster than the times you give them but then once they go to the competition they're not gonna they're not gonna succeed they're not running the time they should run some of them understand that is their fault others give you the fault because it's easier to to put on you as a coach as a to, yeah. to blame on someone else as as coaches we used to it i think uh, is normal for us is uh, is then the athletes yeah. that need to realize that maybe um maybe there is something wrong if in training i'm doing everything right and then in competition uh, in competition not and uh, yeah. uh, the fact is that uh, i i read a book that is really uh, interesting i think in in english uh, the name is great and uh, is 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 saying in the, in the in the book that uh, we always been obsessed <laughs> with uh, uh, talent oh you talent enough or you are not talented enough and uh, but actually is not the talent that is making you succeed 
because how many talented footballers we see that then they didn't achieve the top? How many track athletes yeah. we see that uh, they're super good as young and then they don't achieve the top? And uh, yeah. and it's always the same story. I was super lucky, but then I injured and oh, I was super lucky, but then I didn't have yeah. the right coach. And uh, uh, I was super talented, but then I was leave, like, uh, there is always excuses, you know? But then... yeah you see that the one that achieved the top, they not only talented, but they have the grit inside. They commit. Like they are obsessed with what they do. There is a movie where they say, obsession is always going to be talent. Me yeah. as, a, as a coach, I know I'm not the, the most talented one, but I'm obsessed with track and field. And uh, I think the athletes, sometimes they need to switch on that. Sometimes uh, they, in training where they have no pressure at all, they feeling fine, they feeling like nobody's watching them, they really comfortable, they can really express their talent. But yeah. then, if you're too comfortable, when you go to compete, you are not able to go to the next stage. And I think... Uh, most of the time is due to the fact that uh, I'm seeing it in Italy a lot with uh, Italian athletes um, that maybe you're too spoiled uh, because of the system, yeah. not even because of you. In Italy, yeah. at the end, uh, uh, most of the athletes grew up in uh, a safe city, regular money, they didn't struggle at home, uh, yeah. parents with good jobs, uh, you want the new spikes, new spikes. You want this, I give you this. Uh, in Italy, if you become professional, uh, you enter in the military group. So you're having a lifetime contract uh, oh. in a military group. So you're never okay. going to be pushed to do better. So we're having uh, a lot of athletes that uh, arrive in uh, in the military group when they are 17, 18, and then even if they don't run anymore and they accept, they're going to be policemen or in the office for life. So you really need to have something inside that obsession, the greed uh, that is pushing you to go out and still want to win. And, uh, and this is something that unfortunately only few can have. And you need to sacrifice a lot. You need to sacrifice your loved ones. Uh, you need to sacrifice your family, the time with your friend. Yeah. Uh, you need to sacrifice the, the night out. Uh, you need to sacrifice uh, uh, the, the bad food. Like uh, Everything is uh, enjoyable in life on, yeah. on some perspective. You need, to, you, need, you need to cut it off. And going to, to the ones who maybe they do sacrifice, but they are not able to get rid of all the pressure they have from the environment they're in to just enjoy. So the other things is that uh, okay. you can have the greed, you can have the obsession, but then once you go out, you need to be able to enjoy. If I my dream was, and now finally I am living it, was to be a professional coach. I'm waking up every morning knowing that I'm doing what I love. When I go to a track meet, I'm like uh, super happy because I'm gonna spend the day with what I really like to do. 
you as an athlete, yeah, you can be obsessed, you can be also talented, but then you need to go out and be happy. And be happy. Yeah. Why you run? You run because you like to run. You once you enjoy what you do, then you can really achieve the, the top. That's the thing. Enjoyment is the reason why everyone that does sport normally starts. Um and if you don't have that enjoyment, where are you gonna where's the passion gonna come from? Where's it gonna come from? It's it's, it's so it's so important. Is there any like is there ever times when you can see as an athlete, you see an athlete. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be someone that you train, but it could be someone you see just see on the circuit, and you can see that they're not enjoying it anymore. You can uh, you can tell you can tell, especially when uh, and I saw it actually like uh, not uh, not a long time ago. Yeah. People that even win and they're not happy. Mm. How can you be not happy when you, or how can't you be happy when you score a goal? Yeah. People that don't celebrate when they score a goal, like how? Maybe it's because you're not enjoying it anymore. Yeah. Sometimes my athletes win and I'm not happy because I want more. Okay. Mm, This is maybe bad. I know. But at least I know that we can achieve better. But uh, me, I'm part uh, on I, I'm on the side because I'm the coach. But you, as an yeah. athlete, if you win, you need to be happy. Sometimes you just need to win, no matter what time you achieve in the Olympic final. If you're gonna win, you won. Obviously, athletics is a sport that there's not a lot of money. It's not like football. So, how does a coach survive? Um, basically, because it's 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 a it's a sport that money is not like <laughs> pouring out of how does a coach survive what steps does a coach have to take will they have do they have to have another job on the side or like explain it to us so uh for me this was really interesting because when i was in italy uh i was coaching part-time and uh i was uh, then uh, doing the physio in the morning physiotherapist yeah um once you turn into professional uh, now I am lucky enough that I'm a freelance so uh, okay. in, in professional track and field basically I think and then uh, sorry if I'm wrong but as a coach you can basically be paid by by a brand so a shoes brand okay. that is paying you you can be paid by uh, a federation or you okay. can be paid by a uh, university for example, in America, okay. USA is easier, but you can pay by, you can be paid by by a by a university, and uh, so university federation and brands are actually the the three uh, options you have. In Italy, we also have club that can pay you. Uh, so yeah, clubs. Um, with with myself is uh, is different because I'm a I'm a freelance, so the athletes uh, yeah. the athletes are paying paying directly me i have a direct uh, relationship with them i have no relationship okay. right now with uh, brands federation or university and um, and so it's just another way to uh, to be to be a coach sometimes uh, these things can mix so you have uh, coaches that are with brand that also take uh, yeah. 
uh, part of the of the salary from the athletes or you have a university coach that maybe on the side they coach pro athletes or you have a um, coach from federation that uh, take uh, athletes from uh, other country in the group and they get paid by them but these are the main options that i'm uh, okay. aware of okay and in in turn is there ever like clashes with federations because i know that some federations like to do their own things when it comes to like before olympics and world championship always uh, always nothing is uh, unfortunately sure especially if you are a freelancer yeah. like me uh you just need to to be sure that your athletes are doing good and then hopefully you will get an accreditation to go to world champs or olympics but this is never sure yeah so it's not something that uh um you you know that you're gonna go so yeah. is spart you need to be to be lucky that uh, they can give you an accreditation so of course for Europeans uh, is easier then is getting yeah. harder for world champs then is almost impossible for Olympics. So okay. you really need to have athletes ranked at the top top to be able to go. And uh, sometimes okay. uh, doesn't even make sense because you have coaches uh, of the federation that are coaching maybe no one and uh, they go into the Olympics and you that are actually the coach you are not going. But this is always happening. So it's something that uh, you don't need to be upset. You just need to yeah. take it in consideration and uh, nothing go with it. Wow. And is there ever like clashes in terms of you're, you're, you have an athlete that is, has, has gone to compete for a world and the, uh, the coach there wants them to do something else that you wouldn't want them to do. Is there ever those situations that occur? Um, actually, with me personally, not can happen, mm. happened yeah. in the past, especially when uh, I was coaching uh, youth and junior. So they were going to the camp or they were going to the uh, nationals or they were going to like uh, the Europeans and the national coach was uh, uh, telling them what to do. And, uh, you just tell sometimes the guys, hey, today they had me doing this. And you say, okay, let's see. And let's hope that uh, it's not going to mess up. Normally, when you yeah. are in competition, uh, period is hard to, to really mess up something. So yeah. you hope that on the other side, they, they mm -hmm. actually know what they're doing. And they should. Yeah. So. Wow. Marco, but before, we, before we end this podcast, I know you're in Birmingham right now. So... <sighs> This is, this is a question I've always wanted to ask a, a coach. How do you plan, like, for an athlete, let's say for the indoors and then the outdoors, how do you separate the plan um, for the year? We actually don't prepare indoor, even if it sounds uh, crazy or not right, uh, especially because some athletes are having good results right now. But uh, we're not yeah. preparing indoors. So is a long-term plan for the year and basically getting close to indoor uh, actually three weeks we just deload uh, they put the spikes on and uh, we see at what moment we are 
is very enjoyable okay. for them. They can have some very good practice in a competitive start yeah. and in short acceleration that for us is uh, vital. So this is really, really good for us. And uh, and basically nothing. You just give them these three, four weeks uh, to enjoy and then back hard to training. Is is incredible because we are in the indoors and it's February. So basically we only did three months and a half of actual training and wow. uh, over 11 over 11 month total so but i guess this this is a period where it can really give someone confidence if they have a really good indoors i guess yes yeah yeah indoor can be how you say in english a blessing a curse yeah so if you are not uh, strong as a mindset and you are affected by how the indoor goes you can really like uh, having issue with uh, all the season if you see the indoor as a moment uh then you can understand that okay even if you achieve eig okay i had a good indoor okay this is, i know where i am but i still need to work really hard because i want to achieve because then it's super fun in track and field you achieve very good results in uh, in indoors you celebrate Three weeks after, somewhere in the world, someone is going to open up. And for example, in the sprint, he's going to run 9-9 or 10-9 as a girl. And you say, oh, wow, he's already there. And you forget about indoors. Indoors are gone. You're not even thinking about them anymore. (laughs) And uh, this is how it works. (laughs) Marco, Marco, the last question. Um, I'm going to ask you to describe the three things you think an athlete needs to be successful talent as i said before i think i just gonna yeah. repeat myself talent <laughs> trust and a bit of uh, obsession 100 100 marco and this has been a pleasure thank you for coming on this has been a great episode um yeah marco th- thank you Thanks for coming so much, on edwin for having me here absolutely and nothing been a pleasure uh, good luck for all the rest of uh, the podcast and uh, looking forward to uh, see your next ones <laughs>